What is up, guys? My name is Jeremiah David. I am here with Twisted Youngins. I'm going to tell you guys how God saved my life from diabetes and saved my health in many other ways. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to Twisted Youngins, the most unorthodox show on the globe. We hope all is well with everyone. We hope everyone is having a blessed day, staying out the way. Jesus is Lord. And if you aren't saved, now will be a perfect time to get saved and get in the word of God. As always, I am one of your hosts, Myra B. King. And this is Desi Des. And today we have a special guest. Please let the people know who you are. My name is Jeremiah David. And um, I'm here to share with you guys how the Lord saved my life from diabetes and my health in many other ways. Amen. Uh, thank you, Jeremiah, for uh, coming on the show and getting, giving us your time today. Uh, Jeremiah, where are you from? I'm actually from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I live in Arizona. Okay. Okay. So Milwaukee, that's that's close by Chicago, correct? Yeah, it's like an hour away. <laughs> okay. How was that growing up in uh, Milwaukee for you? It was tough. It was something else. I, I'm 23 now, and uh, I lived half my life pretty much at this point in East Place. And it was something else. It's not as bad. It wasn't as bad back then as it is now, but it still was really bad. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely something else. Okay. The same, the, the same things people know about Chicago is pretty much the same in Milwaukee. That's interesting because you don't really hear too much about Milwaukee when it comes to things like it's always Chicago. You know what I mean? So no, that's yeah. interesting to hear. So um, uh, with your uh, childhood, so you grew up in the church, correct? How was your childhood growing up for you? Yeah, so my childhood was 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 pretty tough. I um, experienced rejection even even from the womb when I was when I was younger. A lot of people's rejection starts at school or starts at work starts in sports but my rejection started in the womb uh so i was going to be aborted by my mother and uh she was going through a lot at that time and she went through she went to the pastor at that time and she was crying her eyes out before she could even get any words out the lord told him that i would be a boy child and a strong prophet and not to abort him and um so she went through with the pregnancy and she didn't have a name for me when she had me and in her dream in the hospital, when she had me, the Lord showed her the book of Jeremiah and said that this shall be his name. So that's how I got my first name. And um, after I was born, she didn't have a middle name for me. She said later on that she was going to name me Malachi. And hey, there's nothing wrong with Malachi if anybody has that name out there. But um, the pastor told her that the Lord said that my middle name should be David. So I pretty much grew up kind of knowing, you know, knowing God and making it personal. And I remember being really, really young, three or four years old, being in church and wondering why people were yelling and screaming and hollering and falling out for somebody they can't see. And I remember telling myself, I'm going to find out. So once I really, after that, I really start trying to pay attention to the word and make it personal. I remember the words back then always saying, make it personal, make it personal. And I learned how to read. And that's all I would read. I was so rejected, not just, you know, from the womb, but in my own household, at school, everywhere that God was really all I had. So all I did was just read my word and and it would I would fall asleep and the Bible would be on my chest. But still, you know, growing up in church and seeing a lot of different things and being active in church from a young age and seeing behind the curtain and seeing what leadership is like and stuff like that. 
there were a lot of things that were extremely concerning that I didn't know how to express at that time. For example, what what, what was concerning? Um, I could just see the Lord would speak to me really young. And when I was young, I couldn't really fully grasp what he was saying, but I knew I was really uncomfortable. I saw how it was this big act that that people were portraying in these faces that people were putting on. And it was almost like a big show, but not truly genuine. And even how a lot of people behind closed doors were very, very different from what they portrayed or very, very different from what I was reading about that we should be in the word of God. And, and it wasn't a repentant type of different. It was like proud of having two faces and proud of of acting a certain way here and being a certain way there. So there was there was a lot of things that I noticed growing up in the church. So as a child, you reading the word of God, what was your uh, perception of how um, a follower of Christ should behave, like how they should be obedient, you know, just from you reading the word and then being in the church? Yeah, so it was, and, and before I get into it, I, especially with the examples that I had, I was not doing my best mm-hmm. of being, you know, single-minded. And I remember in the word of God, that it said that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, you know, and I would um, see people like, for example, saying that we should talk this way, but they were cursing or gossiping and talking about other people and stuff like that. I believed when I was younger that a follower of a Christ should be just like Christ or try to strive to be like Christ, try to strive to be like his followers and be forgiving, you know, and be, be good people to each other. And I know the Bible says that none of us are truly good, but to try to display you know, that goodness, that Christ and that mercy that God has given us to each other. And I was not seeing that at all. I was seeing a lot of judgmentalness and unrighteous judgment. I know the word tells us to be righteous judges, but there was a lot of unrighteous judgment that I was seeing from people and a lot of clickiness. And the main thing that I had noticed in the body of Christ when I was younger was this this culture, this culture thing, this tradition thing that I noticed that these traditions that we were having was holding us back from the true move of God, that these unexplained traditions that everybody kept following and these order of of services that everybody kept having, but not giving God room to move the way that he wanted to was really, really holding us back. And so how did that edify you in a way? Because you said that you weren't really doing your part the best that you know you could Uh, be doing so how did the word edify you how did christ edify you to uh speak to you in the church to get the change yeah so it got it got as as time went on as time went on in my life it got a lot more real for me it got a lot more real for me it was it was me defining making it personal on a different level i started going through a lot of things in high school and like i was what were some of the things so it was a lot, I was homeless at the time. Uh, we were homeless back in high school. There was a lot, a lot of rejection. I was being emotionally, mentally, and verbally abused during sports and stuff like that. And um, I really, really needed to get real about this thing with God. And still, even then, it was hard for me to be consistent. I was like, you know, saying things I wasn't supposed to. I was cussing. I was like, basically a double-minded man, you know, where it was like one day I'm, I'm genuinely worshiping God, and the next day it's like my confession is not really lining up. So I think when when it touched me is when I got older, I, w- I was going to college. So I played I played a lot of sports. I won state championship in high school in basketball. Okay. I went to college to play football. And um, 
I remember I had two offers for football and this God, God moved in that within itself um, with, with sports. And that's another testimony, but the Lord had given me two options for college. And the other option was a Christian university. And the Lord said that he was sending me there to do a work for him. And in my mind, I'm like, do a work for you. <laughs> like I need to, I need to get myself together. I'm not the best that you could be choosing for this, but I know that that's really the story of like every one that was used in the word was that they weren't the best fit that they felt, you know? But once I got there and realized that like a lot of people really, really, really needed Christ. And like, I had to be a living example for these people daily, you know, and that these people are watching me and like really, really watching me. And some for good reasons, for example, and some to try to get this like, you know, this guy's not who he say he is, or this guy's not a follower of Christ. So I really had to make it personal because I knew, I start understanding how God was calling me to be an example at that time. Were you, um, were you a virgin? Uh, in college I was, okay. right after. Yeah, in college I was. As I speak right now, I'm not, unfortunately. You married? No, I'm not. Okay. So you had- yeah. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing anybody right now either. So they say you had to lose it though, huh? You said, man, I can't wait you. No, I actually I I actually (laughs) tried to I tried I tried to uh I tried to wait. I remember I used to always be like, nah. You know, people said it was like lame and stuff like that. Like, no, I'm waiting for my wife from so and so and such and such. You know, but um that's even another thing too. I had to like redefine virginity, you know, and like purity. Because especially if you like, and I know this is crazy, this may sound like, whoa, this is going to the left, but like masturbation and stuff like that in a way takes away your purity. Yeah. So like, even at that point, I couldn't really say that I was like pure. Yeah. Amen. And let me Amen. stop you real quick. Thank you for saying Amen. that. Thank you for coming out yeah. and saying that more people need to speak on sin, dark, unspoken sin, you know, because a lot of yeah. Christians, a lot of people in the church battle and deal with that. Yeah. So, yeah. And you shared it willingly, you know, like yeah. he kept it. A guy we interviewed, he was a virgin, but he was, you know, addicted to, you know, porn. And mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, I already know, like, you know, you the guy said if you look upon a woman with thoughts of being with her, you've already, you know, yeah. adultery in your heart. You're automatically, you know, you're fornicated in your heart. Let alone you watching TV, you know, watching and and, and, and you know doing what you're doing with your lotions and the greases to to the to the to the footage you you know you're not no version you know y'all have some relations on you know on the television uh so yeah man i'm glad you said that you know because a version is is a, a true pure version having watched no yeah. woman ain't, ain't masturbate don't never don't know don't what it feel like to, to get that, get that yeah. get that point of ecstasy, you know what I mean? That yeah. that climax. So I remember yeah. my first time, not 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 jacking, but it was a wet dream. Now looking back, that was a freaking demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. That's what it was, and, bro. And God had used me. It's crazy you said that. God had used me in college. That was one of the main things that I was ministering to people about in college. And um the Lord had given me revelation and stuff like that, that it was when you're masturbating, you were literally having sex with demonic spirits. And then not that, but opening yourself up to those bits and succubus spirits in your dreams. And then a lot of people wonder why even the straightest of men or the straightest of women start wondering why they have certain dreams and like things are trying to happen in them into their dreams because these spirits are not respecters of persons. They could care less 
what your sexual orientation is, they would try to tempt you in any way, in your dreams or anything like that. Yeah. So that was one of the main things God had me minister about. But again, during that time, it was like, I still wasn't living the best. I still wasn't, I still wasn't the greatest example. I still was not without sin. So it kept, it kept me in such a place of like humbleness and repentance because I know that like God has commissioned me to give this word to people and it's, and I'm trying to let it hit me first, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a really tough time. I'm glad God uh, kept convicting you and you was conscious of your disobedience and, you know, watching porn or whatever, you know, cause some people lose the, conv- the convictment from God, you know, God, it, it, it just goes too far. They go, they go off the path totally, you know, and God gets yeah. that reprobated mind, you know, he truly cuts them off, you know, because their repentance is not sorrowful repentance. You know, it's not to be rescinded, it's not to be undone, but you know, a lot of people, once they continue to undo it, they continue to undo it. Then you find some stuff like TDJ. If this uh, allegations are true, you find things like that where, you know, now yeah. at parties, you know, now I'm with Diddy. He's putting his head on my chest, and they they, they saying I'm a power bottom. You find yourself <laughs> in any long type of situations, you know, because yeah. you went too far. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, um, my main thing is transparency and vulnerability, and I feel like that's what we need more in the body of Christ is because a lot of these people that we're trying to bring to Christ don't want to come because they feel like they have to be perfect because for some reason we keep portraying ourselves as, oh, I don't struggle with nothing or all I'm, you know, that's the old me when it's like, brother, this is a fight daily, you know, for a lot of these things or a lot of these things because you know better or you know what you should be doing doesn't always mean that you're practicing that, you know, and um, but when so I, 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 I gotta admit, once I came to Christ, you know, I, I I stopped all of that. You know, I didn't watch yeah. porn no more. I didn't um, like for as fornicating my heart, uh, com- commit you know fornication or trying to commit adultery or thinking you know uh, stealing from nobody or listening to you know want to murder. You know what I'm saying? Like those type of things. Like yeah. I forget. I feel like once it becomes you know because fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, and I knew yeah. fear has a look. You know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love has a look. You know, I that you know, um, study to show yourself approved. So I'm in the scriptures and I'm saying what God don't like. And if I fear him, you know, I use those fears. I inje- I mean, use that uh, that scripture and inject it to my, my faith walk. If I fear him, I'm going to deny these things. If I, you know, it, uh, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the almighty God. So, I, you know, I put my life up. I, I would rather die than it. Um, Paul said, I'd rather die than let someone count my my. Um, Basically, my, my my faith walk in vain, you know, the, the, my boasting in the Christ in vain. And I put that between uh, my, I'd rather die than watch porn. You know, I'd rather die. Yeah. I got I'm married. I'd rather die than commit adultery, commit adultery. You know, it, it, it don't, I don't care what the devil's saying. It could be the finest girl, whatever. I'm not even looking at her like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I fear God. I know he's in me. So I know he sees what I see. He knows that he, he knows the intentions of my heart. So I'm making sure my intentions is not even, I'm fighting it in my spirit, let alone coming to my flesh. You know, yeah. I truly accepted his word. Once I, once God showed me he was real through a supernatural experience, I never looked back, you know? Yeah. So that's why when a lot of people, they always try to say, yeah, I'm, I'm weak or, you know, I'm still, I'm still, of course. Yeah. All of sin and falling short of the glory of God, but willful sin is not the same as sin. Yeah. We're going to yes. sin, but willful sin, that's, 
you in the flesh, you watching porn, and this a habit. You all the devil got to do is get your look, uh, let people leave out the house and, and, and get your flesh to wake up, and you you willing to you following the flesh, you know. And uh, yeah, that 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 died once I once I learned that Jesus died for my sins. I tried to make sure, you know, with all my power that I try to never resent. You know, if I'm gonna repent, I want to never do it again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was something that I was struggling with as well. And I remember when I first came across that scripture, it had scared me. And I was like, I had to really search my search myself and be like, is this something that like I'm doing willfully or just slipping back into? And I was realizing that righteousness is not a streak. It's a lifestyle, you know, so like really, really, really doing what I could to change. And the next part of it, you know, after leaving college and stuff like that for a while, and this came, this realization came with retrospect in a way, but for a while, God had turned me over to my own devices. And um, it was to a point where it turned me over to a lack of discipline, turned me over to masturbation, to lust, to, to gluttony, all kinds of things. And it was still like, and a lot of people can say like, you know, well, I still loved God and stuff like that, but loving him with your words, yeah. you know, and with actions is two different things. Yeah. And that the most painful things for me for as somebody that like felt that they were close to God or he really meant a lot to me. It's like, I don't mean a lot to you because of the way you act, you know? So after college and stuff like that, I had got a job and was working for the first time in my life and was just dealing with a lot, you know, in the relationship that I had at that time at home and family. And a lot of the times when you grow up being told no, it is really hard to tell yourself no when you start getting money. And I found myself like trying to get reparations and like, I never had my own box of cereal or I never had my own box of pizza before and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I was just eating myself into a hole. And as I am right now, I'm six, seven, 310 pounds. But back then I, I ballooned up to 360 pounds. And when I left college, I was 245. So, and this happened with over months of time that I ballooned up to 360 pounds. My, I had a skin uh, disorder and it was literally showing up on my skin. I was, it felt horrible. And I didn't feel like myself for a very, very, very long time. And at this point I had got my own apartment. It was just me and my puppy. And I was still just eating myself into a hole and and trying to cope with depression and stuff like that and, and masturbating and, and all these other things and like consuming music that I had no business consuming that just before I was against and stuff like that, you know, and um, I was really, really, really in a dark place. And one day I woke up half blind and um, this was like one of the scariest things ever. And I have 20-20 vision. I've always had it my whole life. So to wake up half blind after seeing fully clearly is terrifying. And um, I was half blind. I didn't say anything to my family. I was living alone. And um I was half blind for a week and my family came over and prayed for me. And after they prayed for me, my eyesight came back. But after this, everything got a lot, a lot worse. Um, I started having all these kind of symptoms that I knew nothing about at the time. I was insatiably thirsty. Like I'm drinking, I had two water bubblers in my house. I'm drinking more than one gallon a day. Like I'm stumbling to go pee at night. I'm still as big as a house at this time. Um, I, I can't, I can't really eat anything. Um, I was, it was horrible. I was super lethargic. And at this time I had to quit my job because I was so sick. 
And um, I, I had family come over after that. And the girl that I was uh, talking to at the time had came over after that. And for this time, I was dying by myself for like 30 days. I didn't know I was dying, but I was literally dying for like 30 days by myself. And the girl I was talking to came over at that time and made me food. And when I ate it, I threw it all up and was shaking on the ground. And my cousins came over to check on me and they said, dude, you need to go to the hospital. And at that time I was like, nah, they're giving people COVID. Like if, they, if I go, they'll kill me. And um, they dragged me to the hospital and I literally couldn't even sit up while rolling in there. I was so weak, so lethargic, it was ridiculous. And when they took my blood sugar, like the machine couldn't read it. The hospital machine couldn't read it at all. And at that time I went from 360 to 280 pounds. So it was like weight flux. That's how much I wasn't eating. The only thing I could eat during those 30 days was, you know, those cups of tangerines with the juice in them. Mm. That was the only thing I could, that was the only thing I could eat all day. And those, those two gallons of water every day, just cups and cups of water. And when I got to the hospital, I'm laying in the bed and I remember just being like, really, I don't know how to explain it, like solace. And I remember talking to God and I said, Father, I don't know what this is for, but I will suffer well. And God has sent people to talk to me on the phone that I didn't even know at all and was telling me what the Lord is saying about my health and that he wants to heal me and why it got to this point that I was undisciplined, that I was being gluttonous, that he turned me over for a time. And even when um, even when I was in the hospital, this person that spoke to me on the phone and ministered to me told me what the doctors were going to tell me when they come back in the room that they would try to give me this amount of time and that this person was telling me not to use the EpiPen because it's actually meant to make you dependent on the medicine and make things worse and stuff like that. And um, I, I obeyed. And when the nurse came back in the room, she said, they took, my, they took my blood sample like five times. And I was wondering why they took my blood sample that many times. She said, I remember her saying that your blood is so acidic that like before we can get to the testing room, we can't even test it. So she told me that I was going into diabetic ketoacidosis and that if I left, I would die in two days. But at this time, like I, I had such a faith in God and like such a belief in God that he would heal me. And I knew that if I accepted those words, that if I took that on and, and received diabetes and was like, yes, I have it, I'll do whatever, then life would have been over for me. And I made sure that I was careful with my words during those times and let them know that I don't receive that and was bold in, in Christ and telling them that I know my God is a healer and I'm going to go the natural route. And she was like, listen, you have diabetes and kept trying to like use certain words to get me to accept it. And I wasn't. And so I left right after that. And my lifestyle changed immediately, immediately, because when it's life and death is really different. So I went cold turkey from meats, from from dairy, from all this kind of stuff. And um through that obedience and the Lord spoke to my mom and my mom doesn't have a medical background or anything like that but the Lord spoke to her and told her what to give me and stuff like that and I was so sick and weak at this time that I literally had to move in with my parents for like rehabilitation and um yeah so I God healed me within like a matter of two weeks and I was I had so much so much toxins coming out of my body that there was like white bumps forming everywhere where the, like where toxins was leaving and my skin was clearing up and all that. And at this time it was still really, really difficult for me. And I was feeling really heavy during this rehabilitation. And I remember the Lord had somebody call me and minister to me and had told me that I'm literally unfit 
to carry his anointing, that God is not pleased with the way that I've been living my life and, and the lack of discipline and gluttony and all this other stuff that at this point, I'm not fit to carry his anointing. And so hearing that from God is, is extremely heavy. It's extremely heavy. Yeah. And especially knowing the calling that I had on my life and who he's called me to be. And after this, in many different ways, I really tried to, you know, change my life. And of course, I slipped in many different areas. But where things have gotten for me, what God has done for me has been amazing. And there's so many testimonies that I can give. And even my encounter with God recently about, you know, the change in my diet and stuff like that has really, really done a lot for me. Can you give us some dreams you had? About the, uh, about, about my diet. Just anything, like any dream that stick out is just. Yeah. So uh, the most recent dream that I had that really, really stuck out was um, this was back in December. This was back December 6, 2022. And I remember I woke up from this dream. So like, I don't know if I would call it afraid, but my heart was beating so much because the dream was crazy that like I literally had to focus not to die. And uh, I had to write the dream down when I woke up from it. But what the Lord has shown me in the dream. So when I when I started the dream and first was in the dream, I was it was super dark outside. It was this green smoke all over the sky. And um, it was like raining. It was almost acidic rain, but it was really, really dirty rain. And the and the floor was really muddy. And it looked like I was in an American football field and I had to go down into the field, but was slipping all over the mud. And um, the Lord had shown me this guy that was in the field. And I saw these crates, like connexes, the ones that go on the big transporter ships at sea. There were connexes all over the football field. And usually when you have dreams or the Lord shows you something in a dream, he'll give you dream knowledge. Without somebody saying something, you'll know what things are. And um, in the dream, the Lord had shown me that those connexes were full of bodies. And when I looked all around the field, I saw that there was um, like tarps with bodies all over them. So there was tarps stacked of bodies and there was toe tags and all I could see was these people's feet. And when I went down into the hole, there was this man in, the, in a trench coat and he had a gas mask on and I saw his headphones and um, his music was bumping so loud. It sounded like rock music. His music was bumping so loud you could hear it outside the headphones and he was shoveling and he was next to a Connex. And what they were doing, the Lord has shown me was there was so much death at, at whatever time this was that there was mass burials in these connexes that some people could afford to have bodies shipped. There was mass cremation, all kind of stuff. And um, when I went down into the field and spoke to this man, he was like, oh, you're here for the job. And I was like, what? And he threw me a shovel and he was like, start digging. And he was like, the people will come and get you for the tour soon. And during this time, it was as if how it was back in the 1800s or early 1900s, how in a small town, the small town job to do after graduating high school was to go work at the warehouse or go work, in, um, go work at the steel mill and stuff like that. That's how common these warehouse jobs were. And they were all over. And what the Lord was showing me is that there was so much death at this time that they were building warehouses to literally handle all the death and stuff like that. And um, they weren't telling people that that's what those were for. And uh, during this time, with all the death, the news was in denial and not recording everything. And so the time came for me to come on the tour. And when I went on the tour, it was extremely clean, extremely clean in the warehouse. 
this man that the man that was giving the tour was extremely clean. He had a tie on, press shirt, hair slicked down, but he looked nervous and he looked almost not human as if he was possessed or something or was different. And the people that I was on the tour with were, were oblivious. They were just having fun, hopping over rails and stuff like that and trying to follow. And when I was in this place, in this warehouse, I could literally feel the spirit of death so heavy around me. I could feel the spirit of infirmity and sickness all around me that like I was literally so heavy and I could not focus on the tour and everybody's wondering why I was like falling behind. And everybody kept commenting in the dream like, oh, it's such a sweet smell. It's such a sweet smell. I love how it smells in here. It's so clean in here. And if you've ever been around death enough, if you've ever lost enough people, you start knowing what embalming fluid smells like. And um, that, that smell everybody was talking about was embalming fluid. And on the tour, there was so much death. There was literally vats and like cisterns of embalming fluid. And I saw this, uh, this, this cistern of embalming fluid. It was silver. It was extremely clean. And it was a tube coming down from it going through the ground. And the tube wasn't clear. You couldn't see the fluid, but they were hiding what it was all for. And on the tour, this man drove past. And if you've ever worked in a warehouse or seen warehouses and movies, how they'll have a, a driver inside the warehouse that has like a light, a yellow light swirling around and stuff like that. And he had this silver box on it. And the Lord showed me that there was dead bodies in that box. And so the tour progressed and we went on. And the man was extremely nervous when he was telling us about the motto and the exhibits and all this other stuff. And um, he kept looking out the corner of his eye and like looking at the cameras and stuff like that. And then he said, hold on, they want to speak to me. And um, he was like, you guys can stay here. So I followed him back to where he was going and he knew that I was following him. And there was these two big doors and they were extremely clean. The whole facility was clean. And whoever he wanted to speak to was behind the door and what they were hiding was behind the door. And the Lord has shown me that there was stacks of dead bodies behind that door. And he knew that he was trying to hide them. So when he went behind the door, he like eased his body in. So I couldn't see what was behind there. And I saw those dead bodies. And um, this was so heavy for me. And the, the spirit of death and infirmity and sickness was so heavy in that dream that I literally put my hand on the wall and literally was breathing so hard and like so heavy that like I could see my heart beat in my arm. And if you've ever done sports and like or cardio, you can see your heart beating on your chest and stuff. But my heart was beating so fast that I could literally see it in my arm. And when we went back into the tour, I was like, I do not want this job at all. Like, I don't want to be here. And the dream ended. So that was one of the dreams. And as soon as I woke up, from, and I know that was a lot. I'm sorry for it. Oh, that's good. Going, as soon as I woke up from that, this was like 3.56 in the morning. As soon as I woke up from that, I literally like sat up like I have clothes because the screen was bright and hurry up and like type things out. And I was feeling like a lot of the times when you hear from God, it's not just about when you or what you hear from him, but when it's his time for you to release it. And like I said, this dream was given to me December 6th, 2022. And I tried to make a video like I wrote it down and stuff like that. And I just didn't feel that to release it until now. Amen. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. To God be the glory. I thank you for being open, open and honest with us because uh, again, like we all do agree, it's it's something that um not only follower Christ need to hear, but the people of the world need to hear as well. That they can come and uh be saved as as they are and and change. You know, God can change them um as they as he hath done with us. Yeah. And uh so as of now, um 
What is your current? Are you uh, you belong to a body of church now? No, so I'm actually not in a church right now. I've just been like really, really seeking the Lord and, and hearing God and just being obedient mm-hmm. to what He me to do. And that's one of the things. Going back to what you said about like you know people that you know they can change, they can come to Christ, and even even the message to those that grew up in church or that that know who they should be and stuff like that and haven't lived the perfect life or they haven't been perfect you can still come to Christ and serve him you know you don't have to you don't have to shun yourself or push yourself away from Christ because of the way you've been imperfect or stuff like that and that's one of the messages that I want to share with people especially my age because it could be a lot of pressure growing up and being young and knowing who you're supposed to be or knowing that God has a calling for your life and stuff like that so and just like you said before as long as you're trying and not being in this deliberate sin type state yeah then, you know, the Lord will honor your efforts. And I believe this is why we needed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because no matter how bad we tried to be perfect, it just was not working. So for all of those who keep or seems like they keep falling into sin or they go two weeks without doing something or two weeks without a certain mindset and then they slip back into it. Just do what you can to really become consistent. And I believe just like you said, once you start understanding the heart of God and how that stuff makes him feel, and how he views sin and stuff like that, it becomes all the more real for him. And you just stop. The desire leaves. Yeah. Or, or when you start being tempted, it's like you realize the bigger picture. And it's like, this isn't worth my eternity. You know, this isn't worth right. it's not being disappointed. You know, you got to have that fear for God. You know, if you can't love God and follow his uh, commandments, then fear him. It both looks the same. You know, if a man fears God, he's in the word. He's being obedient to God. He knows his scripture. If a man um, loves God, he's in the word. He's being obedient to God and he knows his scripture. You know, um, I do believe, uh, are you, do you, is one of your goals to go to church or? You- yeah. So I would, I would, that's, that's another thing too, that, um, and that video was on, um, on my TikTok, the Lord had me visit multiple churches and um, all over where I am and was telling me what he feels about his the body of Christ in a lot of different churches. So a lot of the churches around me, I haven't felt led to join, but there's definitely, I really, really want community so bad. Well, I did. How bad I want community. And when I say community, not just like people my age, right. but just in general, like a body of Christ that's really, really doing their best to follow God's word. Right. You know, things that he's commanded us to do. So, no, I don't I don't have a church home right now, but I definitely would love to have one. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just wanted to know about that because, you know, God calls us to, you know, assemble with others. So I just want to just put that out there. You know, we're supposed to be in the church. You know, but it's good that you're going out looking for the right church. The same thing we did, you know, then we found a church home and now, you know, we settled and we want to just be stable and grow roots, you know, um, of course, a lot of people, you know, get into the church hurt and, and then think that yeah. no churches, all churches are bad. And No, nah, there's some good churches out here. There's some good, uh, great men of God and some people that's, you know, although you can look behind the scenes, you know, nobody's perfect, but there's some people that's really, you know, really trying to follow God in the way and come to him the way he wants them to come. So uh, thank yeah. you again for uh, giving us this interview, man. Uh, we, we truly appreciate it. And we just ask that God continue to work in your life as well in ours. And uh, God bless you, bro. Amen. Of course. Thank you. you guys be encouraged. Thank so you. you too. Have a blessed day.